Well, as I stand before you today, uh, President Nelson, uh, Dean Newfeld Fast, Dean Smith, the Board of Governors, uh, representatives of the Tyndale Foundation, uh, the Cheris Foundation, and the Bernardo family, uh, my esteemed colleagues uh, who stand, sit beside and behind me today, and of course, my family and my friends and students and staff of Tyndale. Uh, I'm humbled. I'm honored and uh, to be entrusted with this role and how thankful I am to the Bernardo family and the Cheris Foundation for their vision in establishing this chair. I actually had the privilege of working with Bob Bernardo uh, a number of years. When I first started uh, with working with Church on the Street, Bob Bernardo was part of the advisory committee of Church on the Street, and so we sat together for a number of meetings at the beginning of that sharing vision about how that would be established. Church on the Street was in a, kind of an innovative uh, model of church for homeless youth that we held at Evergreen. And so uh, sitting together with him, I appreciated his insight, his, uh, his passion, his compassion for the homeless, uh, his commitment to innovation, and just his character. I was delighted to see all of those things, and he was so re well respected uh, at Young Street Mission, and he sat on the board there for many years. And so my connection with him goes back a number of years, and I'm just so delighted to be uh, part of this named chair right now because of, of who he was. So I want to remember him today and thank the Bernardo family for their vision for the leadership chair. I'm also grateful for the dozens or maybe more than hundreds of people who love me, who supported me along the way. Thank you. But the Bernardo Family Chair of Leadership, eh? That's a little bigger than life, isn't it? It's like, how do you represent and stand uh, to say, this is what leadership is all about? I'm a little intimidated. Uh, the expectations attached to it, the associations and the visions of grandeur, makes me think about all the great leaders that we've actually already talked about today who've come through Tyndale, who've made such a difference in the world, and I often wonder, can I measure up? If I compare myself to them, well, it's like comparing apples and oranges. It's not me. So instead of trying to be great, I'll just try and be myself. And I want to share with you some of the things that come to my mind as I think about my role working with people as I occupy this chair of leadership. And as I sit in the chair, you have to imagine with me what it might look like. If any of you have walked past my office, you know that me sitting in the chair of leadership would, would involve me having my feet on my desk uh, and my lap, uh, laptop on my lap as I work, because that's my working posture. So imagine with me as, as we move forward today. The first thing I'd like to help us understand uh, as we think about leadership is that leadership is actually unbiblical. Well, what I mean by that is, is that the way we use the word leadership today really isn't found expressed that way in, in Scripture. It's a bit like comparing apples and oranges. We tend to think of charismatic leaders, political leaders, thought leaders, leaders of organizations, institutions, businesses, even churches. However, when Scripture speaks about leadership, or leaders in particular, 
And when they speak about rulers or authorities, it tends to do so negatively, almost all the time. And so when it talks about and word, uses words like ruler or leader, it's often done comparing them uh, to a negative role. Now, the exception of that, of course, is that our true authority comes from God. Our true leader is God. And so God is often compared to these leaders as one who stands above them and is compared negatively. And again, comparing apples and oranges. We are only given delegated authority. We are stewards of authority. We are stewards of God's leadership. And we always do it. And that's how we exercise authority at any time. So the biblical concepts that we use to describe leadership are, are kind of interesting. They're, they use gifts, you know, gifts of the Spirit. Things like shepherds, teachers, apostles. Sometimes they use life stage like elders. Or calling, this sense of following God into a mission field, being obedient to God's direction. Stewardship, given this charge or responsibility over an area and being tasked with completion of, of certain things. And then each of these, of course, is expressed in such a way that involves servanthood. The gifting, the, the calling, the stewardship is all done in service to one another, to the world, and of course to God. And each gift then is measured by our character. How do we steward those things? How do we express servanthood to one another? Second thing I like to say is, is that when we're fruitful, as we talked about, as we read in that passage, God calls us to be our own kind of fruitful. The passage says, no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit, for each tree is known by its own fruit. Figs are not gathered from thorn bushes or grapes picked from a bramble bush. A good person out of the good treasure of their heart produces good, and the evil person out of the treasure of their heart produces evil. And out of the abundance of this heart, the mouth speaks. So this passage kind of sits in my mind as a mixed metaphor of all of the kind of growing metaphors in Scripture, the, the farming, the, the seed metaphor. So things like the mustard seed, the parable of the sower and the seed, or John 15 where he talks about abiding in the vine. And those things combine to me because, uh, although didn't say it earlier, my undergraduate degree is a Bachelor of Science in Forestry. So trees kind of speak to me. And so these passages do speak to me as well. So this mixed metaphor comes together, and I think of, a, of him uh, creating fruitfulness of us from day one. So planting the seed in good soil, nurturing us in our families of origin, growing a unique plant that bears fruit. All of the things that have nurtured us shape what that tree looks like and actually determines what the fruit tastes like. Our experiences, our joys, our celebrations, our family, our friends, our schools, our learning styles, our even our traumas and sorrows have all shaped us into who we are today. And you must know that God has been in the middle of that, bringing us into contact with some, keeping us away from others, calling us, giving us gifts, 
abilities, training us to become who we are today, and then he calls us to fruitfulness. So we're called to be fruitful, to grow in grace, to bless others, to change lives, to exhibit God's glory, to participate in the advancement of his kingdom. We are known by our fruit. It says, by their fruit you will recognize them. So what we produce will be seen by others. It's the way we actually measure effectiveness. We measure truthfulness sometimes. It's the fruit that people bear. And each of our fruits is unique. Grape vines produce grapes. Apple trees produce apples. Orange trees produce oranges. So if you're a grapevine or if you're an apple tree, if you're a grapevine, produce grapes. If you're an apple tree, produce apples. Too often we try to produce something that we're not made to do. And then we long for that other fruit because somehow it tastes different or it looks different or it looks better or it looks more appealing somehow or we think we want that today. And so we're, we're literally comparing apples and oranges there. Is that if we are an apple tree, grow good apples. Be who God has made you to be. He's invested a whole lot of time and energy in each one of you to make you into the person that you are today. To produce a particular kind of fruit that's appropriate in its season. And so God right now is doing that at a place like Tyndale. Why? Because he's bringing people to this place in order to create opportunities for them to serve in the places that he's already seen uh, as he looks into the future. On top of that, it's interesting that when we abide in the vine, that's how we produce fruit. And so I know growing up, I always thought, okay, I need to be fruitful. Let's try really hard and squeeze something out. And it just, it just doesn't work that way. It's kind of like just taking the hand. Trying to produce something actually means being in relationship with the producer, right? He's the one who produces it, and we stay in communion with God. And when we do, again, the passage says we won't produce thorns or thistles. And it's interesting that he, as try as hard as we could, we, we can't see, um, we can't produce something that we're not made to produce. It says out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the abundance of what's inside of us uh, will come out. And it's interesting that we sometimes try to hide that from people. We try to be something that we're not because we think that's better. But God calls us to be who he's made us to be, to be fruitful in the place that we've been planted. Interesting, early in my ministry, when I first started, actually, at Church on the Street, um, I resolved in my heart when I went there is, is, I don't want something to come out of my mouth that hasn't first been processed by my heart. And so my, my style of speaking was kind of like, okay, let's, Let's create this wonderful little truth package. We'll wrap it up in a nice bow and we'll say, here it is. Unpack it. Use it. Discover it for yourself. When I started speaking with street youth and speaking at, at Church on the Street, I recognized that they didn't know what to do with those packages. It's like, oh, that's nice, but what does it have to do with me? And so I had to stop that, simplify it a little bit and say, okay, I have to process this, this through my heart first in order to make it effective for other people. If it doesn't come through my heart and, and come through my lived experience, they won't understand 
how to make it part of their lived experience. And so that, that transition might be subtle, but it, it was life transforming for me because I realized that I couldn't just take a passage of scripture and say, this is what it said. I, have to, I had to first say, this is what it means, this is what it means to me, and this is what maybe it means to you. And that's a heart process, and it's a character process, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So fruitfulness starts with character, being good trees. And fruit is that outer manifestation of the inner reality. And each one, each fruit, is, me- is measured by our relational connection with the source of life, who is Jesus. Finally, I want us to recognize our location. The world is changing, and our way of leading needs to change with it. It might go without saying, but the world of my seminary education, I'm a graduate of Tyndale in the 80s. I was very young back then. Uh, Today's world is very different. Again, comparing the two is like comparing apples and oranges. We need to recognize our location, our location in time, our location in culture, our location in, in the context of where we are, our location of where the church is in kind of this flow of what the church looks like and the kingdom of God looks like. Yesterday's solution is really today's problem, and so how do we kind of respond to today's problem when people still think it's the solution? And so we need to be thinking differently and comparing those two things is, is, is this apples and oranges thing. They're completely different. So to pull back the, the, the fruit metaphor is that, you know, you can't grow oranges in Ontario. There are some places where fruit just doesn't grow. Uh, that, that kind of fruit doesn't grow. So we need to recognize that the key ways of being fruitful won't work in every situation. What kind of fruit grows best in this climate? in the Canadian climate, in the GTA, in the city of Toronto, in, in, its, in, in southern Ontario. What grows best? How do we grow that? How do we stay connected to Jesus? So we need a different skill set to lead as we enter this third decade of the millennium already. Already the third decade. Perhaps we need to focus more on preparing apostles and prophets instead of uh, pastors and teachers. Perhaps we need a new way of thinking about what it looks like to connect with our world. And so we need apostolic thinkers, not apostles in the sense of the 12, but apostles in the sense of entrepreneurial ministry theological reflectors, right? People who are thinking about things and saying, how does it work today? What's God saying? Where is God moving? And so we need the prophets then also to see what's going on and to call things into being and to say things as they are. We need the confidence to know that God's not surprised by the changes in culture, that he's been preparing people, many of you in this room, to be fruitful in this location in history. And in that other passage from Psalms, it says this, and I'll modify it a little bit to apply it to us today. He has searched you, and he knows you. He knows when you sit. He knows when you rise. He perceives your thoughts from afar. He discerns your going out and your lying down. He's familiar with all your ways, for he created your inmost being. He knit you together in your mother's womb. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
All the days ordained for you were written in his book before one of them ever came to be. He has made you to be fruitful. Stop devaluing your fruitedness, the type of fruit you are, the way you taste. Embrace who he's made you to be. Grow into all of its fullness. Express it because if you don't, express the the unique fruitfulness of your life, no one will. And the world will miss that. And the kingdom of God will miss that. And there are people around us who will miss hearing it and seeing it and experiencing it. Be exactly who God has called you to be. Live it out to all its fullness and be tasty.